Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Billy Rickman Show podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be telling you my three things that I would do differently if I started a salon or skin clinic business again. Stay tuned. This is the Billy Rickman Show podcast. Being in business over the past few years has become increasingly demanding. As a business owner, it's getting harder to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. The constant changes and updates in business can make you feel overwhelmed. So the question is, how do you stay ahead of the game, stay motivated, and create a business that doesn't just keep the doors open, but achieves serious profit? This podcast will answer that question. I'm Billy Rickman, and this is Success Sessions. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Billy Rickman Show podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be taking you through something a little bit differently. Um, uh, just some, I've just been thinking about my own journey recently and what I've gone through and where I've been and what I've done right, what I've done wrong, uh, the good people I've met, the people who uh, I wish I probably <laughs> never met. Um, there's only a few of those, but um, everybody, it doesn't matter whether or not you like them or you don't like them, um, whether or not you think at the time they're good or bad. Everybody, every single person you meet teaches you a lesson. And, um, and for me, like, you know, my biggest lesson was when I first got into the industry, um, and, uh, and it was because of my ex, my ex fiance, um, I bought a business and there's a long story of that maybe I'll tell it one day if I haven't already. Um, but essentially I ended up losing a lot of my houses and I had to separate with her to get the business. And, um, you know, people say to me all the time, sounds horrible, but I, was, I just think now like, I could look back and I was like, well, that actually was my, my, my gateway into the industry. And, um, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be where I am now. And so I look at it as a really expensive education. So it doesn't matter, you know, what got you to where you are, who you met, um, every single experience you have, every single people you met, meet along the way um, will obviously teach you a lesson. And you just got to look out for those lessons. And along the way, I've, I've, um, I've learned a lot of lessons. And today, I was thinking about if I opened up another salon, because I get asked that question a lot all the time, like, if you, would you ever go back into opening salons and clinics again? And my default answer is no, I wouldn't. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, it's it's a bad thing. It's, um, you know, it's it's not a good business to be in, not a good industry to be in. I loved every minute of, well, maybe not every minute, but um, I loved the majority of the time I own clinics. I just think I'm in a different phase of my life now. I really enjoy the marketing side. I really enjoy the coaching side. Um, I really enjoy my company and the culture we've got. And um, and so for me, like, I'm just in a different phase of my life. And so I would never go back to owning skin clinics again. But if I did, what would I do differently? And so I wanted to give you my three biggest things that I was thinking about today that I would do differently if I opened up a skin clinic today. Actually, you know what? Just off the cuff, I'm going to do a four. I'm going to do four because something just came to mind there. So my four biggest things. Okay, so the number one first thing I would do is to limit the number of team members I open with, right? Whenever I opened up salons, I used to open up with like five to seven staff, right? Maybe even more sometimes, um, depending on the size of the clinic that I would open. If I was going to do it differently these days, I would look at what I would normally spend on a large group of people or a large team, like let's say five or seven. For some people, maybe they don't think that's large, but for most skin businesses, that's like a reasonable sized team. I would look at what I would spend on a team of five to seven. I would put that into a budget and say, okay, over the course of the year, it's going to be X amount of money. And how much is that per month? 
and how much is that per um, per week or per fortnight. And then what I would do is say, well, I'm going to sp- I'm going to pay the same amount of money, but for half of the staff. I'm going to pay them double the amount of money that they would expect to earn. I'm going to pay exceptionally well, but I'm going to hunt out and find the very very best people in my area who will work their little butts off, and I will reward them extremely extremely well. And so it's the same amount of money being budgeted for, right? It's the same payroll that I would be paying out, but I'm going to have half the amount of people. And again, the reason for that is because I am like, now I look back on it, it is way, way, way better to have two really fantastic people in your team who are just the absolute best at what they do than it is to have five average people. And if you think, well, what about all the hours I have to stay open for, whatever, you know, how, how does that work? Then... I would just I would just make it work. Like I would just find a way. If I had to do reduced hours, if I opened up temporarily on like only certain hours of certain days or whatever the case may be, at the start of my business, if I open up again, I would find two exceptional people. I would hunt them out. I would make it my mission. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't open my doors until I found these people, and I would pay them exceptionally well to come and work for me. And I would reward them in other areas and have incentives and bonuses, unlike anything else that could be found, right within like a 20, 30 kilometer radius of my business. And I would find them, I would hunt them down, I would poach them if necessary, and I would bring them into my business. Because what I found is that one of the biggest troubles that you will, you will have when you open a business is trying to firstly attract clients, which I'm going to get to in a second, and secondly, holding on to those clients. Because a lot, of biz, a lot of clients will come to your business to trial and test you to see what you're like at the start. If you don't make a good first impression, you're going to lose a lot of clients immediately, and you're going to have to spend a lot more money on marketing, which is going to cost you in the long run. You're far better having great staff to start with, who you can rely on, who are dependent... Uh, sorry, dependable, um, and you can build your reputation on immediately. So if I open my doors again, I'd, like I said, I would hunt them out, I would find them, I would post them, do whatever it took to find the very, very best. I would pay them incredibly well, and we would create an amazing core group of people to open the doors with. That would be my number one. My number two is much like stripping back my staff, this time I'm stripping back my services. I would find perhaps five or six key services, no more than that, that I would become famous for that have a high profit margin, right? Something that, um, you know, you're not just good at. I use the example all the time when I do trainings. Like, you know, you don't want to be a restaurant that's just good for cooking, right? Good for, good for food. You want to be a restaurant that's the best steak in town. Because when you're the best steak in town, I know on the Gold Coast, there's a restaurant called Moomoo's and they charge an absolute fortune for their steak. Why? Because people think that they're the best steak in town. I've been there before and I can say that their steak is absolutely amazing. And so I don't know if it's the best I've ever had, but it's pretty damn close. And if someone said to me now, like, where would you go on the Gold Coast for a great steak? I'd say go to Moomoo's. And because of that, you can charge a really high rate. When you're just average at everything, you can't charge well. You can't charge at a high rate because you're just average. And they can get that quality of service somewhere else. They can bounce about and go to different places. And if you do a bad job, then they'll probably leave, right? And so because they're comparing you with everybody else, you can't charge at a high rate. Whereas if you're the very best, number one, because you now have the very best staff, but you reduce, you offer reduced services so you can keep getting better at those services. You're not trying to be everything to everyone so you don't have to practice your waxing, your facials, your massage, your peels, all those different things, right? You just choose five core services, five, six core services that you just train and train and train and train and train at until you get the reputation for being the absolute very best in town and you want to make sure that those services have a really high profit margin because it's better to do one service with a high profit margin than it is to do five 
five services with a low profit margin um, and you know have the same result because then you just got to double up your clients and your staffing and all the rest of it. So it's better off to have a high profit margin service that you're going to excel in and that you can become, you know, you can build a reputation. So that would be number one, my number two. Uh, my number three, my number three is to have a solid salon membership program from the very, very start. And every single client that comes into your business gets consultation on your membership program. So you become the salon that is famous for their memberships. You know, I just spoke before about limited services but you all, and about being famous for your limited services, but you also want to be famous for your salon memberships. It's like, oh, you know, you kind of want to build that reputation where if someone is walking down the street and they meet up with their friend, they say, where are you going? You go, oh, I'm going to Billy Salon. They go, oh, is that that salon membership place? That's the sort of reputation you want to have. Why? Because salon memberships, if you listen to my podcast, you'll know I just believe in them 150%. They are the most valuable thing that you can ever, ever have in your business. And if you get it right from day one, if you set your business up that way, oh my goodness, like your business would boom in a very, very short period of time. And not only that, the value of your business would be exceptionally high because you have guaranteed income coming in each month. And so you, all those stresses and pressures that normal business owners would have uh, would all sort of disappear and, and they wouldn't be there for you. So that would be my number three thing um, of what I would do if I was opening a business. And my last one is that I would, again, as I said at the start, uh, my number one, I would look at how much I would pay, you know, five or six people. And then I would factor that into a budget and take it down monthly and fortnightly and whatnot and, and figure out how much that is. And then I would just hire those two staff members, right? And pay them the same amount. Now, I would do the same thing with my shop fit. I paid way too much money for my shop fits, way too much money for my shop fits. And when I look back at it now, I'm like, what an absolute waste. And um, as beauty people and as hair people, we, we, we're creative and we like aesthetics and we like things that look pretty and nice. And for that reason, we end up spending a lot of money on our like on the aesthetics of our business. Now, I'm not, it's not to say that your business shouldn't look great, right? I'm not saying that, you know, build a business and make it look like crap. I'm not saying that at all, but what I would do is have a look at my ideal shop, get that designed, get it spec'd, get it budgeted, and then look at cutting away 40% off it. That's a very specific number. I know it's not quite 50%, but 40%. And the reason for that is now that I've been through it so many times, like I opened 12 stores, um, and so I know what it takes to open a store and, and, and working with builders and designers and whatnot, I know for sure, for sure, that there is so much money that can be saved if you negotiate hard on a build. Um, by the end of it, when I was negotiating bills, like it was just, it was just so much cheaper because I knew what I was doing. And so, just know when you go into a deal, firstly, they're going, you're going to be like high, um, what's it called? Not low bold, I guess high bold, the other one, um, for for the price. And they're going to try to inflate the price as much as they can. And if you don't know what you're doing, then you're just going to probably end up paying that price. Whereas if you know what you're doing and you bargain, uh, barter and you negotiate, um, more than likely you can save a lot off that. And I'll get to the reason why I'm talking about this in a second. Um, but secondly, you should always also look at saving costs on things that are not necessary in the business. I walked past the salon the other day and I had a brand new Harley Davidson sitting out the front. Now it looks great, don't get me wrong. And I've actually been into that particular salon and they do a great job. Um, so the service, but I was looking, I was like, man, that's a lot of money just to be sitting out the front of the shop. And so there's every salon's got it, right? Unnecessary light fixtures, um, you know, really, really expensive chairs that nobody knows the difference about. Um, a staff room with really high-spec stuff in the staff room. Like, I get it when you, when you are a multi-site established business, you have good cash flow, heaps of money rolling in, fine. Like, spec your shop out, no problems at all. But 
if you can save money on your fit out, do it. Like look to cut costs on every single part of the, the fit out. Not to, again, I just want to stress the point, not to make it look ugly, not to make it look bad. None of those things. You still have to make it look aesthetically pleasing. You still have to make your salon look great, but negotiate as hard as you possibly can with your builder. Shop around with your designer. Um, go and look at other product suppliers. Go and look at other equipment suppliers. Look for um, you know secondhand uh, liquidated stock that, for businesses that have gone out of business and um, you know, you don't. I'm not talking about salons that have gone out of business necessarily, but there's wholesale businesses that have gone out of business, and they've got a whole range of stock, um, like chairs and tables and all this sort of stuff that are going at absolute bargain basement prices. And you can send, save so much money. And the reason why you want to save so much money, and why I said save 40%, is because if I was opening a store again, I would take that saving, that 40%, and I would still spend it, but I would chuck it all into marketing, all of it, all of it. And obviously not all at once, because if you've only got your two staff, you're going to get fully booked for <laughs> pretty quickly. But I would create a specific marketing strategy over the first three months, over the first six months and 12 months. And I would maximize my marketing spend to get the most amount of traction without it having been slow. The reason I say this is because if I look at businesses now and I speak to them as, as coaching clients or you know people who just want one-on-one consultations or whatever the case may be, Almost always what happens is that everybody starts off with a dream, everybody starts off with a vision, everybody starts off with a goal, and they go week one, great, week two, great, week three, great, week four, great, because you've got all that hype and excitement of, of opening your business, and then what you end up finding out is that those four weeks, because your staff aren't great, right, because you've hired average staff, you didn't rebook properly, because you don't have any marketing place outside of the initial opening up stuff that you did, right, your grand opening, you don't have any consistent marketing in place, and you find out that your staff, your initial staff didn't rebook those first four-week clients, and you don't have any marketing place, so there's no one coming back in month two, and now in month two, you're sitting there, sitting on your hands with a business that's draining money, and that is where your stress starts, that is where your stress starts. You're not famous for anything, so you don't have a reputation because the quality services because you're doing everything for everyone. You don't have a point of difference. Your staff are average. Uh, you don't have any money to put now back into marketing because you spend it all on the fit out. You spend it all on the grand opening and you'll everything goes downhill from there, right? I see it time and time and time and time again. So if I was going to reopen a business from now, if I was going to open a skin clinic right now or a, or a hair salon or whatever the case may be, the four things that I would do, number one is I would look to spend the same same amount of money as hiring four or five, six people and I would put it into two people and I would pay them the highest possible rate that anyone could ever, ever imagine and I would have the highest expectations of those people to perform. I would hunt them out, I would find them and I would make them a part of my core business team and the three of us or four of us, whoever many they are, I would make us like the most exceptional A-team that everybody just feels like, holy crap, that place is the place to be. Their team is exceptional. That would be what I would do, number one. Number two is I would um, offer limited services. So instead of having all these long lists of services, everything to everyone, I would find five or six core services, key services that I would train and train and train and train and train at until we were the absolute number one in the area. Number one, renowned for like 40, 50 kilometers, people driving for like hours to come and see us because we're so damn good at these four, five, six things. And I would make sure they were highly profitable services. And when you get really good at them and you've got a high profit margin, you can increase that profit margin even more because you can start to charge more because you become famous for it. Number three, I would include a salon membership program from the start. It would be my number one focus. Every single person that came in, I would do a membership consultation. I would get them onto my membership program and I would look to make that my focus and build that as quickly as I possibly could. And number four, I would shave off 40% of my shop fit. Initially, I would look to 
like negotiate harder, find better deals, um, look at liquidated stock items or whatever the case may be. I would look to shave off 40% of my initial shop fit that I had budgeted for and I would put that 40% into a strategic long-term marketing budget where I would aggressively hit my market, aggressively target my competition and I would really take over my area in a very short period of time by having those funds there to consistently market in a really strategic way. So that would be it. They would be my top four things that I would do if I was starting a hair salon or skin clinic business or a beauty salon today. So I hope that was helpful for you. Um, Hopefully it gives you a little bit of insight, especially if you're just about to open a business. Um, And uh, if you like this, please make sure you like, share, comment on it, and subscribe to the podcast because I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the podcast. Until then, have a great day today, guys. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Want to keep up to date with all my videos, posts, and free content? Head to Facebook and like my page at facebook.com forward slash Official. You can also find me on Instagram by searching the real B underscore Rickman.